This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author of Fanatical Prospecting and Sales EQ, and I'm here to help you open more doors, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. Welcome back to another episode of the Sales Gravy Podcast. By the sound of my voice, I am not Jeb Blunt. And this would not be my first time ambushing a sales gravy podcast. I'm Gina Tremarco, master sales and improv trainer at Sales Gravy. And about a year ago, I did ambush this podcast. Well, not really, but Jeb thought I did. And here I am one year later as a result of being on that podcast where we talked about improv and yes and. And I'm also a woman your mother warned you about, which is a new podcast. Well, not that new, but it's new to Sales Gravy as the sponsor of The Women Your Mother warned you about. And today I'm filling in for Jeb. And with me today is the next best thing to Jeb, Jeb Jr. Jeb Jr., welcome to the Sales Gravy podcast. I think you've been on this show before. <laughs> I, I have I've hosted it a couple of times. You've hosted so. it. There we go. Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad to be here again on our own podcast. And I don't like being the second best thing to Jeb. I think that's kind of insulting. So <laughs> I want you to take that back publicly. Apologize to me right now. Okay. <laughs> you are, I apologize. You are your own, you are your own being. <laughs> and I believe you have said this before. You are the taller and better looking. I'm yeah. the taller and better looking Jeb. Yeah. And, uh, and that uh, that's a long story, but it, it it's actually Jeb's words. So I just stole it from him. And now I think he might feel bad about it, but I'm going to keep using it because it makes people laugh. And, and you, you also made me laugh because you've told me that you have better hair than him. <laughs> I do have better hair, but I do have better hair than most people, I think. So uh, listen, I grew up myself. It's been uh, 23 years in the making. So I'd want to thank everyone who got me here. And uh, especially, uh, especially tea tree. I, I love, I love their shampoo. So that's what <laughs> That maybe you need to get um, an endorsement. You should, you should endorse them. Get a They're probably trying to delete this podcast as I say that. Yeah, exactly. Well, you are. Um, what is what is your title? You are the your senior account executive for. Yes, I am. Right. I'm a senior account executive at Sales Gravy. I've been in this role for about five, going on six months now. Uh, I was the marketing director for about five months, and it's always been true that I've come into a marketing role and found out that I'm mediocre at marketing and really good at sales, and so I moved back into a sales role. Well, that is really interesting. Let's let's dive into that for a moment of coming in as marketing and ending up in sales. One thing I've noticed over the years are there are a lot of people who, and I've hired a lot of marketing and sales people who they they don't really want to do sales. They want to be considered the marketing person. They want to do all the fun marketing and they say, yes, I'll do sales. You could go ahead and put that in my title. So this is interesting that you're like eh, more sales than marketing. You want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So, um, well, it's, I, do you want the really long version or the, the, the medium version? Oh, well, let's take the medium version. Okay. So when I came, so I graduated uh, college in May well, I was kicked out of college in March due to COVID, and uh, I, I had taken on a job as a financial advisor in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. Unfortunately, because of the pandemic and everything that was going on, it just didn't financially make sense to move to Atlanta and start a brand new career in a place that I didn't know where I was going to be working remotely for a company that was a startup in that area. Mm. 
So something as a something told me as a financial advisor being certified and everything that if I'm not financially um, efficient <laughs> and, 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 and well taken care of, then how can I advise other people? So I moved back to Augusta and I started working for my parents, which I knew I was going to do at some point. I just didn't know it was going to be so soon, but things happen when they happen. And I started on in marketing because I had, uh, I have a couple of summers of sales experience. And of course I grew up around here. So I, I have more sales experience than most other 23 year olds and probably more sales training than other, any other 23 year old in the world, but I hadn't put it into practice with sales gravy. So when I moved back here, I was still completing classes, still completing graduation. And he moved me into the marketing role, which allowed me to create some really cool uh, pipeline ads and, and, and lead generation and dealing with, you know, uh, SEO search engine optimization, which I despise, but I read a couple of books on it. And I was working in that realm, but it turns out that I'm just not passionate about that kind of work. Marketing seems like a really cool place to go if you can do it right. Digital marketing is fun. But it, it when you're a one-man show for a company that in sales group, we've had a couple of different marketing firms, but we've really just had a, a you know, a, a, a different path when it comes to our marketing efforts. And so I was kind of starting a whole thing by, by, by my own hand and, mm -hmm. and a little bit on the shoulders of, of what my father had done, but he's mostly a sales guy. And so when I was working through that, I found out, you know, the marketing just really isn't my forte. And I was getting on phone calls with people uh, and I was doing more sales calls than I was doing marketing calls. And so one of the, one of the things that we decided was that we needed to find someone else to kind of take what I was doing and transition me into a sales role. So one of the things that I thrive on is the conversations that I have with people asking questions, uncovering uh, outcomes that I can provide solutions for and, and really being in front of other people because I believe in what we do. Now, that's always been true for any industry that I've worked in. I only work for companies that I believe in what, what they're doing and that it, that it, does, that it does provide uh, a benefit to those people that I am selling to. And I love that conversation. I just love being that person for them. And it really, it comes down to just that human connection. And I, I, I just, I'm driven by that human connection. If I don't have that in my day, I'm not, I'm not satisfied in that that's a that's a really difficult thing to do in marketing because marketing is just it's sales but it's once removed right so it's, yeah. it's the back end of that so that's why i moved into sales <laughs> you know i'm curious do you think you know there's always a question you know people ask this question often is is, is the ability to sell is it a, is it natural or is it learned but my question for you is do you think that this need to have this human interaction that you have that you enjoy do you think that it's something that you just had, or is it something that was influenced by having Jeb Blunt as your dad? <laughs> I, if I had a nickel for every time someone asked me what it's like <laughs> to have Jeb Blunt as my father, I would be a millionaire. <laughs> well, no, I'm asking more specifically your, your desire, your passion for selling. Do you think you were influenced by your dad? <laughs> my passion for selling. Well, I, I would say, yes, I was influenced by my dad, but here's what I, I'll answer the question you asked originally, which is, do I think it's a learned talent or do I think it's something that people just are born with? And I actually had a prospect ask me this about an hour ago. He asked me if I think that sales is something that you can, you just have, or you can learn it. And I think it's like everything in life, it's, it's multitudes. There's mm -hmm. layers to everything. There are people who are more inclined to this kind of interaction. 
there are people who are more energized by other people's presence and want to go out and just be client facing and they just thrive off of that experience. But that's not sales. That's just someone who's probably a little bit more extroverted. You don't, you're not good at sales because you're good with people. Uh, that's, that's obviously an added value, right? But you're good at sales because you can ask for next steps. You're good at sales because you understand time management. You're good at sales because you understand how to provide solutions and you can uncover the things that matter to people. Like there's a, there's several people in my life who are really good with people and they can talk really well and they, and they connect with human beings really well, but they don't ask for next steps. They, they're not really good at sales because they feel uncomfortable with, with asking for what they want. Now, that being said, they can make really, really good friends, right? And, <laughs> and uh, my father, on the other hand, would say that he's not, a, he's very, uh, on the empathy skill, he's, he's very unempathetic and he has no problem asking for next steps. He has no problem being you know, almost pushy with it because that yeah. he's an outcome driven person. I, I'm somewhere in, in between. I, I, because of my father, I've always learned that it is better to ask for what you want and get to those next steps rather than, than not. So I, I'm really good at that kind of thing. But I think that that's mostly because I've just been taught over a period of time over a long period of time that that is the best way to go about it. Now that's not, not naturally how I am. I am, I'm more empathetic than, than my father is. I'm more empathetic than um, on that scale than, than he would probably uh, think that I am, but I've just learned that skill and honed that skill really well. What makes me really good at that is I can kind of blend those two. And that's what makes him really good at this as well as he's been, you know, he's been working his entire life to blend the empathy and the outcome driven. So is it natural? Yes, it can be natural, but it's not, it's not all there when you're born, you have to hone mm -hmm. your sales is something like it's a profession. People are good at baseball, you know, people are athletic or football or whatever, but they're not great at it until they practice and practice and practice and practice. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a muscle. Right. Exactly. It, it's definitely a muscle. I, I'm, I'm in total agreement with you on all of that. Uh, I think that you have the ability to be a good people person. Uh, I think you have to practice it. And um, I do think you need some level of empathy. Uh, I think your dad has some empathy, maybe not to the level that you do. I, mean, I don't want to paint Jeb as having no empathy, but to your point, you know, there's different levels, right? There are different levels of empathy. Your dad's very much a get it done kind of guy, mm -hmm. right? Like, let's get this done, but let's talk again. Let's talk a little bit about the asking for the next steps. Like we both know that there's, if you don't ask, you don't get, and this is a weakness that a lot of salespeople have because maybe they have too much empathy and they become, I don't know, I'm sure you've heard this. They become uncomfortable because I just want to be nice. And I, 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 you know, I just this and I just that, and, and they, they don't get to the ask part of it because they have too much empathy. So I think maybe somewhere in the middle, they, they, they have to be in the middle, right? Right. And, and, and I think you're right. Okay. So people say, okay, well, I just want to be nice or I just want to be, be friendly and, and I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to be a pushy mm -hmm. salesperson. Okay. I hear that a lot. It's, it's again, it's a muscle. It's, it's, it's practicing this and you can, you can be the person who asks for next steps. You can be the person who asks for what you want without sounding pushy. You yeah, just have to practice yeah. that. One of the things that I've, every single time I get off the phone with a prospect, every time I have a sales meeting, every time I'm in discovery phase, or every time I'm in the negotiation phase, there's something that I do that I have, that I've had to practice over and over and over again, that I've gotten tons of feedback from people immediately on the call. They said, they said something like, 
wow, I can't believe you already put that on the calendar. I, I've never had that happen to me before. It's easier. It's uncomfortable. It's easy to be over email and say, oh, hey, hey, let's look for next steps over email, right? And, and it gets lost and people don't respond to you. You have to keep chasing and following up. So one thing I like to do at the end of my sales calls is just say, hey, do you have your calendar up in front of you? And they kind of pause. And of course, we're all working from home. So of course, they do have their calendar in front of them. They're looking for their next meeting. They have, you know, they have that tab mm -hmm. open on their computer. And I just say, let's put something on the calendar for and, it, and I feel that let's put something on the calendar for next Thursday at 1pm, so that we can follow up and let's grab the, the other people who are involved in this decision making process on that call as well, so that they can hear what we just talked about. And then from that point, we can ask if we, we can we can see if it makes sense for us to move forward. And most people will say, oh yeah, that's perfect because they'll, they're worried they'll forget about it too. And you're, you're relaxed and assertive and confident. So they're, they're more likely to just go ahead and give that to you right then. Whereas if you do it over email, they, they come up with excuses. No, he's busy then. I'm busy then. Let's find something a couple of weeks from now. And then you never put something on the calendar. You know what I really love about, about the micro commitment, about the next step is that it, it's efficient in cutting down how much time you're using going back and forth. Right. Absolutely. When, when you, when you do that, uh, it really streamlines everything that you're doing. I do that on, on every interaction and then live in the moment, I'm putting it on my calendar and I'm making sure, and I, and I'm making my zoom links and I'm putting them in the calendar live in the moment. And then I don't forget about it because I think what happens a lot. And I was just doing a training with one of our new clients this morning. And we had this conversation about doing this and their, their eyes popped open. Like it was such an aha for them to hear about, do not leave that call until you get one next step with them. And, and when you do that and it's efficient and quick, I don't have to remember to follow up other than to confirm the next step, right? To confirm the next appointment. Otherwise, I'm everything falls off my calendar. But more importantly, it falls off of the, the prospect, right? Because they're busy. And one thing I talked about this morning was stop saying, get back to me if you have questions, because they won't. And it's yep. nothing personal. It's just that they get busy. So make their lives easier by, by making that next step. And so as I was telling this story this morning to a group of 25 people, my contact that um, was my you know liaison into us closing the deal said, oh yes, let me tell you what Gina did to me. I took her to, he took me to lunch. I yep. took her to lunch. And by the end of the lunch, she said, what's your calendar look like for next Thursday? And made me pull out my phone and schedule the next appointment. Right. And I closed it that next Thursday. Right. <laughs> so that, you know, that was such a, um, such an aha moment for everybody in the room at the, I just, that's like such a gem, that next micro commitment. Right. And, it, and, it, and what, what it does for me specifically, and I don't, I, you know, I'm 23 years old. So what do I know about anything, anybody else's industry? But for me, what it does, is it, I can move deals to the pipeline really, really quickly yes. when I do this. Yes. And I'm also much more aware of when I should stop chasing something. So mm -hmm. the one one guy I was talking to this morning in a, in a sales meeting asked, you know, asked the question, you know, what's, what's the most important part of the fanatical prospecting mindset? And there's a lot of most important parts. One of them is, of course, you know, you're able to provide better solutions and, and make better suggestions to your prospects at the end of your pipeline because you have something coming up and you're not desperate. You're not just trying to sell somebody. But the other thing that comes with that, that mindset is that you're able to walk away from things that just don't make sense for you to chase. 
So that micro commitment, right? If you're constantly asking, you have a pipeline behind you, you're comfortable, you're confident, you're asking for next steps, you ask for their calendar time and they say something like, you know, I'm, I, you know, I'm just not sure right now. Let's set up something for, you know, I'll, I'll get back to you in a couple of weeks and see if we can put something on the calendar then. If they say something like that as an objection to your calendar invite and you push again, you say, well, what I really love to do is make sure that we keep this in front of us so that we're both on the same page and we don't lose what's going on, which I think is a perfectly fair thing to say to a prospect. And they give you the, you know, I'm just, I need to go think about this, talk to my team about this. And they don't, they don't commit to that micro commitment of an, of a next calendar date, even, which is not that, you know, it's not that hard. It's their time. That's the hardest thing to sell. But at that point you can get that pretty easily. If they say no to that, then I'm not, then I'm not worried. They're not top of my priority list. I'll email them, you know, a couple of weeks and say, Hey, what's your thought process on that? But I'm not going to chase them every single day asking for that next appointment because I know that I have somebody else who's willing to take my time and willing to give me their time uh, and put in the effort that I'm giving them so that we can keep things moving through the pipeline. And if at the end of that, in my sales process, uh, I have different inflection points. I know that, you know, it just doesn't make sense for us to work for it. At least I have a good contact who I know is willing to give me their time. And then we can mutually walk away from that. It's not the ghosting thing that happens. Mm-hmm. And I, I just can't, I can't stand ghosting. Yeah. I, I think that is such a great reminder for everybody listening to this episode is that that is such a great moment when you ask for the next commitment and they, they either make it or they don't. And I've, I've experienced both, right. I, I had, um, it's another new deal that's coming through that they did just closed with us last week. And in the process on one of the calls, right. And I think I was going to close it that day. And I was like, well, we need to talk to our CFO. And I was like, Oh, Hi, this is Jeb Blunt. We'll get back to Gina's story in just a minute. But first, there's a reason why thousands of sales professionals and top companies across the globe honed their sales skills at SalesGrave University. You see, SalesGrave University is different than most learning platforms. First, we have live courses taught in a virtual classroom by our master trainers that start almost every single day. And our e-learning platform is populated with hundreds of hours of sales training content produced by some of the top sales trainers in the world, including Gina's spontaneous selling course, which is worth checking out. Now I've got some good news. If you've never taken a course on SalesGrave University, if you're a new user, you can take your very first course for free. That's any course on the platform, absolutely free. Just go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com or click the e-learning tab in the top menu at salesgravy.com. Pick out your course. And when you check out, use coupon code free course to get that course for free. That is free course to get your very first course for free. Right. We've right. all had those moments of like, how did I not qualify that better to get that information to know that that was going to be the process. But I also knew at the moment that it was just, it was just a mechanism to buy time. And I knew that. And so I just went with it and I said, yeah, that's cool that you know, cause they're dealing with fiscal year budget stuff. I'm like, so let's, I'm like, when are you going to talk to your, right? When are you going to talk to your CFO? Yep. Oh, on Friday. I'm like, well, why don't we, why don't we get back together on Tuesday? And see what the CFO said about how you want to stretch that budget out. Right. And so I got a yes. Right. So that was like, oh, okay, good. We're still moving forward. But I've been in other on other sales calls where it's like, let's set let's set another um, let's let's check back in next Thursday. Yep. Um, we'll get back to you. 
Yep. What, one of the things that I, I actually had this happen uh, very recently, and it's not a bad thing. It's just as a salesperson, you have to feel this out. So mm-hmm. it was a, it was not a decision maker. He came, he came to me with, uh, with, with what he wanted. And I had a sales conversation with him and I understood how the decision-making process was, was done. So one of the questions you have to ask, and as a salesperson, you can feel this when they're not the decision maker, cause they're all bought into you. These are seekers. These are people who went out and looked for you and wanted more information and they're really eager to learn more and they're happy to be on the phone with you. And it makes you feel really good because it feels really good when there's somebody there who's like, yes, that makes sense. And everything you're saying makes sense for us. I think I, you know, if I signed the checks, I would sign it right now. And that feels really good. It yeah. Feels yourself. yeah. One of the questions you have to ask is, you know, I, I understand that you're really interested in this. Who else is involved in the decision-making process? Mm-hmm. And generally that'll get you to, okay, well, it's really, it's Matt over in this department. And we also have a a vice president who makes the decision on budgets for all these kinds of things. And so for that next step, if you have, you have, it's a wonderful sales meeting. I mean, I'm I'm happy to to have had that because at least it gives me an in, it gives me a coach. I can learn more about Mm -hmm. their organization and you just transfer them into an information bucket. So you can just go back to them and ask about what's going on. But what I do with that is I say, okay, let's follow up next week on Thursday. And let's grab the other decision makers in in our meeting. Let's grab Matt over here and let's grab, you know, Steven over there or or Jessica and let's have them all in a meeting. If, and they say, yes, I think I can do that. You know, that's great. We've set up that follow-up and you say, well, and at least if they're not able to show, we can just have a quick follow-up and see if it makes sense to move forward. What I know is that if they don't get those decision makers on the call, they're just a seeker and they're not serious mm-hmm. about moving forward. Yeah. So I can have a quick follow up with them, create a great contact, and then put them on a list for me to call later mm-hmm. and continue to prospect to get into that organization. But at that point, if they're not bringing me the the next step, the next decision makers, I'm not going to continue having Zoom meetings with somebody who's not going to make a decision. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've all been in that situation where there were just way too many meetings and you have to know when to cut bait, especially if you have multiple people involved. I want to, I want to switch over a little bit and ask you about maybe a milestone moment that you've had at sales gravy. You haven't been with the company that long, but you've kind of been in it your entire life, so to speak. Uh, what's a milestone moment that you've had or an aha moment that you've had? You are young. Um, you, you are fresh out of college and 23, but like you said, you have way more sales experience than, you know, some 43 year olds, let alone 23 year olds. But what's, what's a mile, ha- a, a milestone or just a, oh, this is something I learned in, in my short career here at sales gravy. That those are a couple of different interesting questions. So, <laughs> milestone moment. I mean, just a, like a like man, I did that. Is um, well, I sold my first deal solo. So that was that happened back in October ish. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the the date was like October thirteenth or something like that. Uh-huh. And it was my first deal that I sold by myself. I mean, I've had a couple of internships. I've worked with several team members. And the great thing about a great organization is that you do sell not alone. You, you can sell with others. But this was, I took it from you know, soups to nuts all by myself. I prospected it. I got it in the pipeline. I took it through the sales conversation. And then I got the contract signed and executed and then payment in. And you know, it wasn't very much. It wasn't like a huge deal or anything. It, it changed my life, but it was so exhilarating to mm-hmm. do that that by yourself. And, you know, that's a really important thing for salespeople is to get that first win because yeah. sometimes it feels like you're banging your head against the wall. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I, I think that, I think that the things that I've learned is um, just 
being consistent with the people that you're talking with and just making sure that you are in front of them because I have several times and I've only been working in, you know, at my, my career for about six months, I've been around sales for a lot longer, but I've been in my career for six months is that when I wasn't in front of things, when I wasn't keeping them on their toes, creating urgency with, with the people that I'm talking to, that urgency was lost and, and yeah. they float away from you. And it's really difficult to have that conversation and pull people back. Now I've also learned to be authentic. That's something that's really, that, that is really important to me is that when I'm on sales calls, I'm speaking the truth, no matter what, I'm not just a salesperson. And that's something I learned from Larry Levine, who is uh, uh, selling from the heart. If you go yeah. check that book out, I love Larry. Yeah. Um, and uh, Larry's awesome. Live like Larry. And, uh, and um, the, the thing that he talks about is like, don't be an empty suit. So if I know something is not right, if I'm talking with somebody and I and they, they're telling me what they want, I'll tell them, I'll say, you know, this doesn't really feel like we're going to be able to solve that issue for you. And I know that that's not what you wanted to hear, but here's my suggestion for you. And even when that happens, it's not people don't generally push back that hard on that. They, they kind of see that you're trying to, you're trying to find the solution, but you're okay with it not being exactly what they wanted. There's also times when I just say, you know, uh, we're not going to change your world in an hour. People come to us and they want us to deliver a keynote or, you know, a, a, a workshop and they're, they want the entire kitchen sink in two hours because they know that their salespeople need this. And I look at them and I have to say, you know, we're not going to change your entire organization in, in one hour. That's just not how it works. Yeah. And, you know, generally the, the, uh, the response is, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so those are some things that I've learned is just to have, you have to have that authenticity behind you, uh, because people buy into that. They lean into you when, when you speak to them, like, like not just someone who's trying to get their check, but like someone who is an expert. An ex, yeah, it's the authority principle that your dad often talks about. And if you don't, I, mean, I want to talk about this for a second, this authentic peace. Um, I've had some authentic peace moments with your dad. And um, you and I had an authentic peace moment um, uh, right before we started recording this podcast. And I, I hope you don't mind, I'm going to bring it up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so there you were, you know, getting yourself ready. You know, I'm, I'm in my home studio, you're at home, right? We're, we're working from home. That's what we're doing in this, in this new world. And, you know, you're getting yourself adjusted and getting the microphone ready and you've, and you've got a great sport coat on and your shirt and you're, and you're like, oh, I should probably put on a tie. And I'm like, why, why should you put on a tie? And, and you're like, I'm like, would you normally be wearing a tie? And your answer was no. And I'm like, then don't do it, right? You you have to be who you are and not, you know, who you think people want them to be. And this is just a general note for everybody because I had a similar moment with your dad a month or so ago. He wanted me to go into the studio and record um, like a promo video of me, you know, as a trainer. And I, in my own mind, wanting to represent the company well and make him proud. You know, I went into it a little more conservatively with the question. He's like, write your own questions and then answer your own questions. And then we'll, we'll put it together. And, and then he happened to show up and he walked in while this was going on. And he's like, cut, no, this isn't you. This isn't Gina. And I was like, you want the real Gina? Okay. <laughs> 
Right. And, and so it, it was a great reminder that even in my own mind, I'm like, wait a second, this man hired me for who I am, not who I think he wants me to be. And I think that is just a really good reminder for everybody that you, you know, and I've, I got this question from one of our clients yesterday about how she shows up and, and sh should she show up as she is? Cause she's afraid people are going to judge her. Um, for the fact that she's married to a woman. And so how do you deal with that? You have to, you have to be true to who you are because that's, what's going to attract people to you. Very much so. Very much so. And I, I, I like that you told me not to wear a tie because I wanted to put it on because I felt, um, I felt almost exposed because this is an uncomfortable environment. I don't do a lot of podcasts, I, which is strange because I do tons of sales calls all day long <laughs> in this exact same environment. And I feel so comfortable with it, but you know, when, when we were going to get on a recorded podcast, my, my brain started to freak out about the way that I looked. And I knew that I, I've recorded sales calls. It's not really any different than this. Um, and I think that that's true for most of sales. That's someone asked me, you know, I've got guys who are picking up the phone five times a week and they don't, how do I get them to prospect more? And it, they're like, well, they just don't want to do it. And true. Yes. I, I personally hate prospecting. People hate prospecting. Uh, I don't like to do it myself. But it's not because that they necessarily just hate prospecting. They know that it helps. They know that it's going to make them money. It's that they're uncomfortable with it. It's the same thing on video calls, mm -hmm. right? People yeah. don't get on camera because they're just uncomfortable with it. So what you have to do is you have to train yourself to be comfortable. And that comes with practice. Yeah. Again, sales is a practice. I hate picking up the phone every morning. But once I did get that first dial, yeah. it's, you know, it's a thousand pound phone. But then after about five, I can do 10. And then after about 10, yeah. I can do 20. And then it just becomes a rhythm. And if you do that every single day, every single day, every single day, and you practice in front of the camera and you're making, you get up and you get dressed every day, even if you're working from home, if you're speaking authentically all the time, you, be, you become more comfortable with that. And the more, com more comfortable you get, the better you become. And this that first step, it's like going to the gym. The, the hardest part is going to the gym that first day. And once yeah. you go to the gym the first day, it's hard to go the second day. It's hard to go the third day. But after about a week, you start to just keep going. It's the same thing in life with everything else. As long as you just, you put your mind to it. And there's that 21 day rule. There's a mm -hmm. great book, 21 yeah. days. Mm -hmm. And that's how you build a habit. So just have to stick to things. And I'm guilty. Uh, and, and I'm not perfect. I'm not preaching from, you know, from my pulpit. I'm, I'm 100% guilty of falling short on things and, you know, getting, get, you know, prospect, not prospecting and, and having mm -hmm. weeks where I just didn't do what I was supposed to do. And then it's really hard to get back into that habit. Yeah. It's just something you have to keep working on. And I think that, you know, I'm 23. I don't know much about life, but I imagine that <laughs> no matter how old you are, it's going to be difficult to, to continue yeah, that. Process. You know, 100%. And I, I know we started this by talking about how young, you are, but I don't think, you know, sometimes age really matters because uh, we all get into bad habits, um, whether we're 23, 43, 63, you know, I look at the two of us, um, I've joked with you that I'm old enough to be your mother. Um, <laughs> I was happy when you said that I don't look like that. So thank you for that. And, but we're both new to the company, right? I'm not new to sales, but I'm new to the company. And so then there's that kind of ramp up and, and getting comfortable in that environment with how that company does things. So I don't think that matters as much. I think mindset and your, and your desire to, and your passion to, to sell and to do a really good job. I think that's what matters the most. I have one more question before we wrap up and um, I'm curious, well, two, two, part, two questions. One, what do you prefer to be called? Jeb Jr., Jebby, Jay? And like, you know, I know we got two Jebs in the office. We got, I got to be careful when I send emails to make sure it's going to the right Jeb. But what is your preferred 
way to be called? Um, I prefer, Hey, you. Okay. Uh, no, no, I, I prefer Jeb. I, I've been Jeb my entire life and it's been interesting because I haven't worked at sales gravy. So the name has never really been that big of a problem. There was one time when, when my father and I flew as a, when I was very, very young and we both have the same name. So going into the airport, it was, it was kind of a struggle going through TSA. But other than that, we haven't really come across this problem. Now uh, my father gets emails for me and I get emails from, for my father all the time. Uh, I prefer Jeb. Uh, Jeb Jr. works for me as well. Uh, but it is, it is kind of interesting, the whole name thing. I, what I really love is when I get on calls and uh, they see Jeb Blunt and uh -huh. they're looking for a <laughs> keynote speaker or they're looking for you know, a training or something. And they, they, they get on and they haven't seen Jeb before, maybe necessarily. And they think, <laughs> this kid wrote 13 books? <laughs> oh my goodness. And I have to, I'm, I'm like, listen, it's all my, it, well, it is all my material. He did take it all from me and he just, and he just, you know, copyrighted it before I turned 18. So now I just have to work for him, but no, I'm not, I'm not the Jeb Blunt that you were expecting. And, um, and that is kind of fun to watch people. And, or when people say, oh my gosh, I'm talking to Jeb Blunt's son. They think I'm famous or something, but I, I'm just, I'm just riding coattails. So, um, I prefer Jeb Jr. Um, but, uh, but you can call me anything you'd like as long as you're uh, as long as you're buying from me. <laughs> oh, that is that is quite the soundbite. You can call him anything you want as long as you're buying from him. And speaking <laughs> speaking of coattails, this was my real my my final question is, you know, you're working you're working for your parents. Like, <laughs> how does that feel? I'm sure people are curious about that of 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 working for the parents, positive, negative. I mean, I'm sure there's a little bit of both. It's been positive and negative at different times and sometimes <laughs> positive in the morning and negative in the afternoon, or, you know, it can be, it can be positive one day and negative the next week. It's, it's really an interesting, I don't, I don't know what to compare it to. I, I don't know very many people who are in this situation either. So it's very, it's, it's truly a blessing. I have a story. So when I was in high school, my father I was we played sports, was on football team, baseball team, et cetera. I ran track and ran track in college even. And I would come home from practice in the afternoons and he would hand me a list of, you know, 25, 30 prospects. And I would have to get told no uh, 30 times before I could go eat dinner. And, uh, and so I was doing that in high school. And then when I graduated, I did work for him full time as uh, just a punching bag is basically what I was. I was calling in active lists. I was calling people who bought from us who didn't want to buy from us anymore. This was back when we had a job board and we don't have that anymore. So I was calling people who were like HR managers and stuff, uh, maybe some sales leaders. And then I started moving into the sales leader space, but I was 18. So I truly had no idea what I was doing. Uh, and I made, you know, a few calls every, you know, every day or so for, for a lot of high school, but I just was doing it. I would just get on the phone and say whatever I could. So I'd get off <laughs> and get me dinner. And, uh, and then I really had, to, I really had to hone messaging. What he was using me for was he was, he was, he would give me different scripts uh, and messaging to to go test out and see how people responded to that. Yeah. And it was mostly negative because I was 18 and I didn't want to be there. And I was not, I didn't have the confidence. I didn't have the sales skills that I have now. And I made probably 5,000 to 6,000 calls that summer. I mean, just all I did was hammer the phones. I looked at him after that summer and said, I will never be a salesperson. I never want to work for you. I don't want to be a sales guy. I'm going to go do something else. So oh. then it was very, very negative working for my parents. I went to college. <laughs> I want to go to law school. I have, a, I have my degrees in economics and political science. And I was going through that path. But 
it, I, I just got into an internship. So one thing I knew that I needed to do was get internships. So I started working for a development company and I told this at Outbound a couple of years ago, but I, I started working for a continuous care retirement facility, which is in, and my father tells the story is in, um, it's, it's like you sell your home and you move into college for, for senior adults. And it's really fun. They have all kinds of activities. I mean, this is like a beautiful campus. It's not like a retirement home to anything you've ever experienced. It's, you know, and then you move into apartments, you move to houses, then uh, eventually move to assisted living. And then you move to, they have physical therapy and all the nursing and skilled nursing, they have that on the campus. So I was a marketing person for them or a marketing intern for them. And this is while I was in college. And what I did for, for them for most of the time was I would move papers around and I would go get coffee. And uh, one day I was in a meeting and they had a, they had a problem where they weren't hitting their mark so they couldn't break ground. And I knew that they wanted to fill these events up, these lunch and learn so that they could get people interested in, in moving to the sales process. And the salespeople were really angry at the marketing people because the marketing people weren't giving them enough leads or giving them good leads. And the marketing people were really angry because the salespeople weren't following up and they weren't actually qualifying any of the leads. So they were just like basically at, their, at each other's throats. So I, knowing my father, knowing fanatical prospecting, I just decided, well, shoot, I might as well do a job. I hate moving papers. I hate getting coffee. And most of the time I'm sitting twiddling my thumbs, waiting for someone to tell me what to do. So I went to my back office, which was in the back of this office. I was literally in a storage closet with one tiny little desk and they gave me a, uh, you know, a 2006 Lenovo laptop. And that's what I worked off of. And I pulled the list of 300 to 500 inactive people, inactive leads that they'd called once, but never followed up on. And I just started hammering the phones. And in one day I filled three total events with more than a hundred people. And they were like, I can't believe all these people were coming. I didn't tell them exactly what I did. Um, you know, then I went to my boss and she said, you can't just call people like that. And I kind of got in trouble for it. <laughs> they filled up all these events. Were, she was really angry at me, actually. It was not, it was not ideal. <laughs> um, but I started going to these events and I started talking to people and they, what they, what they saw is that these people would just talk to me. They would just start talking about their lives and talk about the, all their illnesses and all their history and all the things that were going on. And at the end of it, I would say, you know, Hey, let's get you in the office with, with one of our salespeople. They'd be happy to talk to you about the options that you might have. And they said, well, you know, you might, you seem like a really good person. And you know, this seems like a really good place to, to see if this, if this could work for us. And I, I ended up doing that a lot more. I started taking them on tours. I started taking them to the campus and what the, what the area would look like. And they would just talk to me. And I didn't know what to say to these people. I had no idea what to say because I was 20, I was 20 years old and they were, in their 80s and what do you know what could I offer them um, but I was in ear so they would just start talking and ask them questions and what I learned there is that I was really good at allowing people to talk about themselves and understand the, and understand them and their problems and how I can help them out and then I went, from there they would begin to trust and believe me they would like me they would understand that I was you know that I understood them and then I could move them into the sales the salesperson's office and you know from what from there I ended up you know being pretty much responsible for just closing. I mean, they would one call close when they walked into the office, they would basically sign the contract for about $5 million of business. Wow. And, uh, and from there I was like, crap, I think I'm good at sales. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I did still didn't want to work for sales gravy. Uh, so <laughs> I, I spent another year in college and I got an internship with uh, a really wonderful company that I, that I, I really loved. They were in the HR industry 
and I did an internship with them, a national internship, uh, where people went to like Yale and Columbia and, you know, all these crazy colleges. And there was me from the go- going from Barry College over from Augusta, Georgia. They, they hired me because they, you know, I did ride coattails a little bit into there, but uh, I, I did, I, I'm determined to prove that I'm not just someone's son. And so I became the number one intern out of 300 interns across the nation for an entire summer. And I was basically an SDR, just set business and, you know, go, go set appointments and qualify appointments, talk to executive leaders, talk to CFOs, talk to CEOs. And that was the grinding, grinding job. I ended up doing really, really well there. Figured out that I was probably really good at sales. This is going to be my career. I didn't have the GPA in college to go to a good law school. (laughs) Um, And uh, so I decided, you know, sales was going to be what I did. And I was, I was, then I started talking to my parents about it. And I was like, I'd really love to work for sales gravy at some point. I think I might need to go get my own stories. I need to go out in the world and, you know, experience Mm -hmm. my my own path. So I, I, I got that job. And I worked for them for a while. And then I ended up out of college getting that financial advisory job. But of course, the world changed in about three days. So here I am, I didn't end up going out in the world and getting my own story. So I'm building them here at Sales Gravy, which is working really, really well. Uh, and working with my parents is both positive and negative. It's, it's positive in ways that, you know, uh, you know, the boss <laughs> more than anybody. <laughs> and, I, and I can push back on, you know, the boss, because I have that stance with him is he's you know we, we we have to love each other and we're not going anywhere and we're here forever for each other yeah, so yeah we have to uh we have to we have to get to we have to get along when we get along um and so uh that that being said we also have uh, you know the ability to just be a little bit more free with our time and spend more time together mm-hmm. and those are really positive things the negative thing is that it is, it is your dad it's it is your it is your mom working here you know it's uh, it's like there's they're always looking out for you and it's it's hard for them to separate being your boss first and mm-hmm. your parent first or being your parent and not your boss. Yeah. Yeah. And those kinds of things are very nuanced, but uh so far, so good. I have no complaints. <laughs> um I have I have no uh I please give me a raise because I love working here. Uh if you if you listen to this podcast, parents. Uh and uh, you know, I think I think that it's a good way to be, and I'm truly blessed to be able to work for my parents in this way. That's awesome. And um, your mom did um, say something to me the other day because she knew I was going to be doing this. And just a reminder to not bring home any women that your mother warns you about. (laughs) I was supposed to give you that advice. They hired you. So I don't know how... uh... I don't know how, how I'm supposed to believe that. <laughs> touche, touche. Well, hey, it has been so cool, um, not just hosting this podcast, but doing it with you and having you here, getting to know you a little more. I think it's really great for people to get to know you a little bit more. So thank you for, for being on with me today. Sure thing. Well, if anybody listening to this podcast wants to talk to me about what we do at Sales Gravy, and you know, if you just want to hit me up about about anything sales, uh, my number is seven zero six three six one three four nine six. Again, that's seven zero six three six one three four nine six. And you can email me at james.edward at salesgravy.com. And I'm happy to give you a, a call and then spend some time with you. And I love that. I love that because he went straight for the ask. Uh, I didn't even have to say how to get a hold of him, which is what I normally do as a podcast host. So, so good on on him. And if hey, you want to get a hold of me, uh, you know, you could buy from him, but you could buy from me. So let's let's knock it down. 
<laughs> you can get a hold of me. You can go to salesgravy.com and you can find me on the website. You can find Jeb on the website as well. You can find um, everybody on our team. You just click on the, the team tab on our website and you can find all of us and women your mother warns you about.com to find that podcast. And if you want to get a hold of me, you can find me at Gina at salesgravy.com. And we are going to wrap this up and hand it back to Jeb Sr. Awesome. Glad to be here. I hope you enjoyed this podcast with Gina and Jeb Jr. and had some fun with it. I'll be back soon. Make sure you go check out Gina's podcast, Women Your Mother Warned You About. And if you are a new user to Salesgravy University, go get your very first course for free. Just go to learn.salesgravy.com, learn.salesgravy.com, pick any course. And when you check out, use the coupon code FREECOURSE.